Why not use that before? <laughs> this doesn't sound like the music I used the last time we did this show. But whatever. This music, but it had like singing in it or voices. Yeah. I don't know where that one came from, but whatever. Welcome, everyone. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the Tiniest Book Club, the uh, show where we, of course, talk about a book. And we break it down for you, and we discuss chapter by chapter for the most part. We are your hosts. I am Francis, a.k.a. the other guy. Right over there is the lovely and talented EVP. Hello, E. Hola. Uh, we are covering, once again, American Gods by Neil Gaiman. We're going through chapters 6, 7, and 8. We are slowly but surely making our way through the story. Um, what do you think of the book so far? Ah, uh, the book so far is interesting. I like all the um, characters that were introduced mm-hmm. in this these chapters. Um, the new gods, not not the new new gods, but like the new gods that were introduced. <laughs> yeah, the new gods. Uh, yeah, the mythos is definitely um, it's more fleshed out. You get a bigger and better idea of the world that we are in. And we only have one interesting kind of side story regarding Ifrit, uh, the taxi driver. Oh, Ifrit? Ifrit. Ifrit. Okay. Uh, So um, E will be uh, correcting my pronunciation for a lot of these characters. Which is perfectly fine. That is. Uh, I don't know. I don't really know how it's pronounced. It's probably Efree. <laughs> You're probably right. I, I I'm the one who really doesn't. I know. was under the impression that it was Efree. You're you're probably right. Uh, I wouldn't put I wouldn't put it past them. So yeah. Let me look it up. Okay, go ahead and look it up while you uh, <laughs> while we just. No, uh, I'll look it up when we get to that point. <laughs> okay, all right. Look it up when we get to that point then. So we uh, when we last left our heroes. Can we call them heroes? I mean, really? <laughs> I mean, they're just they're just the protagonists. We we haven't established heroes and villains quite yet. I mean, this is the chapter where we actually establish the storyline that you said I'm supposed to have figured out by now. You're like, oh. <laughs> the battle between the gods. Yeah. You're like, oh, you should know this by now. I'm like, well, I don't know for sure, but this time they spell it out, which I was really hoping they would. I remember the last episode I was saying, I really hope they spell it out. Oh, yeah, they're going to end up spelling it out. Yeah. And so. But then, you know, you're supposed to (laughs) catch the clue. What? Catch the hint. You're supposed to catch the hint. (sighs) You're just making fun of me now because I don't, I don't catch the hint for anything. Come on now. I just don't, I don't, uh, that's not my, that's not how I roll. That's not my MO. Yeah. I'm more of uh oh, just tell me how you, you know, tell me what I'm supposed to know and tell me how I'm supposed to do this thing. But yes, so we we uh, we now have established that we well, we now know Wednesday's true identity. Mhm. And how is his true identity revealed? Uh well, we go from the carousel to the mind of one of the, I don't I, you know what, I was a little confused cuz Apparently, we entered the mind of one of the characters, but I don't know whose mind we entered. Because it, uh, it wasn't okay. Shadows. They're saying, oh, we should have gone to Shadows' mind instead, but we went to someone else's mind. So, the mind of Mr. Wednesday, uh, and all of the uh, carousel animals come to life as they travel to a cave off in some place where a bunch of other gods are waiting for them. 
And mm-hmm. Odin, I guess, is rallying everyone, but not everyone ended up showing up, right? Like only a couple of people showed up. Yeah, maybe dozen mm-hmm. people showed up, and he he was kind of disappointed about it because he did a lot of recruiting, and not a lot of people showed up. <laughs> yeah, honk. Uh, so people did not show up as they should, and he was. A little upset, but he still had some fervor to him. And the uh, the person, what's his face? Um, one of the people that they met at the actual uh, uh, amusement park. It's not an amusement park. It's like a touristy space. It's the giant park. carousel. Yeah. But the, the guy that they met there ends up telling a story. And uh, Mr. Nancy. Mr. Yeah. Mr. Nancy tells the story of the, the spider and the lion, I think. Tiger. Tiger. I thought it was a lion. It was a tiger? No. Uh, He's supposed to be a Nancy. A Nancy? So a Nancy is like... Oh, yes. Yeah. The spider god. So there's a lot of names. (laughs) Like, a lot of names. (laughs) And I had a hard time. And I had, in all honesty, a hard time with the names. And I'm a person who's, you know... I mean, I read Game of Thrones, but Game of Thrones has, like, Eddard and John and, like, really easy names to remember. This one, there's a lot of, like, there's Mama G, I want to call it. Mama G. Mama G, yeah. Uh, And a couple of other people. Which I'm guessing is, oh, man, who is? Well, I'm assuming it's some kind of Indian god because of the multiple, like, the skulls around her neck. (laughs) And um, maybe the I don't know the skin or something. I don't I don't remember. Uh, I mean I don't remember. I don't know. I shouldn't say I don't remember because I didn't. <laughs> but uh, that was the name that that god went by. Mama G. Yeah. But uh, the other a few characters and yeah uh, again uh, Mr. Nancy gets, goes ahead and tells his story about the uh, the tiger and and it's about testicles for some reason. It's about balls. Hmm. Hmm. Which was interesting. I did tigers' balls. Mm-hmm. I ate tigers' balls. Mm-hmm. Now um, I forget. <laughs> uh, something about a testimonial. Now I can't get his. Yeah, testimonial. Yeah, and he. Mm-hmm. I, I guess the spider tells a bunch of monkeys that hey, I got, I stole this tiger's balls. Ha ha! And started singing the song, and the monkeys ended up mimicking him. And for some reason, the story has significance. I don't really know. Person, like I, I didn't get that. Um, it had significance just because it was like um, saying that just because they're outnumbered doesn't mean they can't use their brains. Right, even though they're not powerful, uh, as powerful as these new gods, um, they can still, mm-hmm. they can still, yeah, outsmart. Uh, the- yeah, they can outsmart them with their wit instead of relying on their numbers or their strength right yeah they don't have to worry about that stuff so mm-hmm. i guess that was kind of the that was supposed to be the warm-up to um odin's speech which is again that a storm is coming that is the uh the the phrase that is the winter's coming of this book winter's coming <laughs> yeah it is the, a storm is coming and Odin is warning everybody, like, look, you know, as much as as much as we're living cushy lives as these, you know, wa- uh, has been gods, 
something worse is happening. Something worse is coming, and we need to prepare for it. And there, and everyone's like, "Nah, don't worry about it." Mama G is like, "Ah, don't you know? Who cares? It's all good. Don't worry about it. Yeah, like, nothing, nothing's gonna happen." And then, yeah, uh, he didn't feel like he convinced everyone, but it doesn't seem like he convinced anybody really. Right. Even though it, it, it did describe like some people were like nodding or, it, or there was some people who were agreeing. But Mama G was the one who was really saying like, look, I, I'm living a cush life. Like nothing too bad is happening. I'm surviving. And mm-hmm. and we're kind of doing our thing to survive. So, you know, we will make it through. But he, uh, Odin's convinced that something, a war is going to happen. Right, and Shadow just that kinda they came. need to sort of make the first move and plan. So the meeting, you know, so the, so the meeting doesn't really quite go the way that Odin has planned it, but it's really strange. Like again, Shadow's kind of slowly but surely um, picking up on things. He's kind of letting it sink in. Mm-hmm. He and, still doesn't seem as sh- shocked as I feel like he should be. Yeah. But it's funny because, you know, they explain how where the other gods came from, like these new gods came from, which was I was just like, wow, that's that's OK. I mean, I guess that makes sense. You know, there's like the god of the Internet and the god of television and the god of of I think they said the beeper. I want to say they said the beeper. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, that one's. That one's gone now. That's a little dated, but yeah, like there's all these different gods that are based off of a lot more material things uh, that have developed over the last century. And they're saying, well, if you think about it, they're kind of like, you know, you stare at the screen for so long and, you know, huh? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I I think later on in a different chapter, I guess we'll just talk about it when we get to that chapter, but yeah, um, it sort of explains it. a little yeah. bit better because I'm only you know I'm 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 only on chapter no 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 it's in the chapters that we read today okay good oh right right well mm-hmm. you when we get to the okay yeah yeah because I thought there's more to it but there is a chapter in which we we, we meet one of the new gods uh but yeah mm-hmm. so uh as if it never happened you know the meeting happened well uh, the meeting happens but as if it never happened they make their way back to the carousel and they kind of act like oh well you know what just happened don't don't worry about it don't think about it. And they all go out to dinner, I guess, as a way uh, to help Wednesday. Yeah, um, Mr. Wednesday's treat. Yeah. And it's his way of, I guess, convincing everyone in, on an individual basis to be like, hey, you know, join my cause type of thing. And during that, before they even get to that dinner, though, of course, um, as part of his job, Shadow kind of drives some of the gods with him. You know, kind of ask some questions. He's getting to know the gods too. Like he's getting friendly with the gods. Uh, I think it was in the car. Um, Mama G was in the car. Mama G, a dude that he couldn't remember talking remember. to. Yeah. Yeah. Every single time he would try and recall who he was, he couldn't grasp the name or who he was. I'm like really curious who that is because I, I probably have to look it up later. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's a that was an interesting one. I was like, oh, that's and then there's one that was uh, the guy who hummed in a really really deep voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and um, yeah, Shadow seemed to really enjoy that one. Yeah, yeah. So that's his job. That's what he's doing. That's his that's his his life right now. And as they make their way to the restaurant, uh, chaos ensues in a way because something happens to him. 
What happens? Uh, he gets kidnapped again. Was he? Wait, was he kidnapped? Uh, was he technically kidnapped before? I don't think he was kidnapped. Oh, he was. Oh, he no, was he kidnapped. Was, like, in the- kidnapped, but he was like picked up by the guy in the limo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that's a kidnapping. Yeah, you're right. But yeah, he gets kidnapped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he gets. I think he gets. Yeah, he gets kidnapped. He gets and then he um he wakes up, and then there's like two guys. I forget their names because there were just some random objects. Mr. Right? Stone and Mr. Wood. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they are from some kind of unknown agency, mm-hmm. and they're playing good cop, bad cop on him. Like, yeah. tell me what you know and what's going on. Like, how again? They're questioning like, why are you working for him? Why are you working for this guy? Mm-hmm. What does he know? And or what do you know about his plan or whatever? Yeah, they're doing a really they're really pulling a, a, a pretty harsh one on on Shadow for this interrogation. Like they really I just feel like it's really weird that um Shadow keeps getting interrogated by people because people found out that he works for Mr. Wednesday. Like do they do that for everyone that Mr. Wednesday knows or is it just him? It could they might have done, you know, maybe that's why Shadow's his new employee because the last one died from interrogation or something. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Because, uh, I mean, we don't know too much of what happened right before Wednesday met up with Shadow. We we don't know too much of of that Wednesday life side, that. anyway. We only know... Um, Shadow's side, yeah. Shadow's. <laughs> so we I was sh- about to say Thursday. <laughs> we know only about Thursday's side. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's all right. <clears throat> so we only, we only know part of it. We only know uh, half of the story. But... Still, Shadow is, um, Shadow is, uh, yeah, is there is is in, it not only interrogated but pretty much beaten up for for information. Yeah, he gets like beat up, and then um, he goes to bed and he wakes up, and don't they do it like all over again? No, it's only once. Okay, um, and then after he wakes up, then his wife. Is there again? Yeah. It seems like she's a little bit more decayed than uh, the last time. I don't know. He he does comment on how pretty she's her pretty smile. So I'm assuming that the darkness is hiding some of her uh, her decay, if anything. Mm-hmm. But or maybe she's really preserved. I mean, she 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 talks about how her blood she doesn't have blood in her system anymore. It's embalming fluid and formaldehyde and all this stuff that's in her body now. So. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so and then, Laura's there. Yeah, she 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 wakes him up and then they go where do they go? <laughs> well, so she kills everybody to get to him. Right, everyone's dead and she he's like, "Why did you kill everyone?" But she's like, "It doesn't really matter." Yeah, I guess like, on her side, killing doesn't really matter to her. She's like, I, "I'm dead. I don't I don't feel the consequences of killing people anymore." She's like, "I'm just I'm dead." You know, whatever. What else? Mm-hmm. So she she goes on a killing spree to save her her husband. Still, I guess I don't even know. I guess they're still technically. Well, no, she's dead. So I guess the you know ex husband or whatever his 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 late wife his late wife. But yeah, I, I, he finds out that he's in a uh, train yard um, in the middle of what he thinks is Wisconsin, and 
he does he heard stories in prison about like these little uh, offsite facilities that the CIA would take people and interrogate them and stuff like that. So he, they, you know, he finds himself in a very similar situation. But when he asks Alora, mm-hmm. like, "How'd you find me?" She's just like, "You're like a beacon in the darkness." She said. So I'm thinking she has some weird power to be able to see him wherever he happens to be, or some kind of weird connection to him. Right, uh, but he does. She does have something around her neck. Yeah, the coin. The coin. The coin that holds, holds, we'll find out its significance, I guess, some of its significance in a minute. But yeah, she has the coin on a gold chain around her neck, kind of showing it mm-hmm. off like, you know, there's no way she can be inconspicuous because she's got a gigantic gold coin just hanging around her neck. <laughs> you know? I doubt it's like that huge, though. Oh, still, I mean, they make it sound like it's big because it's like, oh, look at this, you know, big, they make, the description is always like it's a big gold coin. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll maybe they'll think she's just a rapper or something. You never know. I know, right? She's yeah. like wearing like a clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they think she's Flavor Flav. Yeah, Flavor sure. Flav. So Flavor Flav uh, saves her husband and uh, disappears just out of nowhere. Disappears and tells her, "Hey, tells um, uh, Shadow, you need to go south." That's all. That's the only thing she says to him, and he's like, "Okay." She seems to have some kind of power in like premonition because didn't she say in the beginning that at the very end you're going to ask me to stay with you or stay the night uh no she didn't say that uh yes, she said no she says to him because he asks her like do you know what's going on okay so so they have a little bit of a conversation in which she says you all i want from you is to make me alive again that's all I wanted from you is somehow, some way, make me alive again because di- being dead sucks. <laughs> That's pretty much what she says. Like being dead sucks, so make me alive again. And then uh, that's when he asks her, "Like, how'd you find me?" That's the, the beacon thing. And then, oh no, it wasn't then. I was talking about um, initially their first conversation oh, when they were face to face. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe. And she's like, "Aren't you gonna ask me to stay the night?" And he says, uh, "No." And then she's like, "Um." At the very end, you're going to ask me to stay the night. Maybe. I mean, something to that effect. I'm sure. I mean, I guess it's possible. I, I don't. I, I. I think it will. If that. If that. Uh, that's foreshadowing, obviously, to something that'll happen eventually. Um, hopefully, she'll be alive mm-hmm. by then. But she. She shouldn't know. Um, characters don't really don't know any. Um, thing when it comes to foreshadowing, unless. They have some kind of like gift, like with premonitions or something. She, well, because Shadow even asks her, like, "Do you know what's going on?" And she's like, "I have an idea. I pretty much think I know exactly what's going on here with these people and like with you." She knows more than she's letting on. That's the thing. Like she, she knows way more than she's letting on, and she doesn't. I wonder what her motivation is for keeping it secret. If she does, I don't know because yeah, I mean, because again, she. You know, she has one request, and that's to be alive again, which makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. but the yeah, uh, it's funny because really the only character I feel you can trust in this this story right now is just you know Shadow's the only one you can trust. Yeah, it seems like everybody else has um, different motivations, and he's just doing his job. Which is, not, I mean, it's interesting. Like he doesn't. One, like Shadow, for some reason, he doesn't have purpose right now. Like, his only purpose is to do whatever Wednesday tells him to do. That's his purpose. 
Like he doesn't have like, I must defeat this thing to get what I want, or I must go here to get what, you know, get what Yeah, I he mean. doesn't have any personal motivation. Yeah, he doesn't have a direction. And so... But it, it kind of seems like that's how he was in the beginning, too, when he was with his wife, because pretty much his whole life before prison mm-hmm. um, was about his wife. Um, and, you know, just being around her. And um, he did some kind of crime for her. Yeah. And then... Um, in prison, it was all about just surviving, keeping his head down. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's all about, it, it, it was all about surviving. And he, but yeah, even then, like, he did have motivation while he was in prison. His motivation was to get back to his wife. Like, his motivation was to return to his life again. But now he has no, you know, he has no purpose, no goal, no direction. So it's really interesting to kind of see that. But, I uh, guess because after the loss of his wife, it's like, what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> but you'd think, like, you'd think he'd have some kind of, he would have some kind of subplot to say, because right now the only person that has a plot is Wednesday. And, you you know, we're, we're not really getting anything from Wednesday's point of view. We are getting it from Shadow's. Shadow. And Shadow, mm-hmm. again, is just kind of like, he just goes with the flow. He's just like, oh, this is my new situation. I will work with this new situation. I will work with this new thing that I'm doing. You know? uh, but when he leaves, he encounters a crow? Was it a crow or mm-hmm. a raven? Like a really big bird mm-hmm. who tells him he needs to go to Cairo in, not Egypt. I guess. No, it was not Egypt. Not Egypt, oh. but um, someplace in Illinois. Uh, well, he doesn't know that yet. He finds out, I mean, later on that it's in Illinois. Was it Illinois? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, it's either Illinois or Indiana. It was an I state. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Illinois. Somewhere. It was yeah. somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he's in Wisconsin. So it, it, the, the closest state there is Illinois. So I'm assuming Illinois, it's Illinois. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's where he's told to go. And he does make his way south. He he uh, he does make his way into another town. But before we find out more about him, we get pushed to another story, uh, which is not a coming to America story. It's a I'm, we're already here in America story. <laughs> I guess it is coming to America story, right? Because mm-hmm. it is. Uh, yeah, see, uh, I don't. Salim, I think his name was Salim. Um, the, the is it then? Huh? Is it then? I think. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter. Technically, it doesn't matter when this this particular story happens because it doesn't impact the story overall. Every other bit of this these three chapters is about Shadow and what he's going through. But there is a mm-hmm. segment where we encounter uh, a salesman who works for his brother in law. Uh, trying to sell. No, I think that's after chapter seven. Is that after chapter seven? Okay. Mm-hmm. So then I guess we'll just move on. Well, then we'll, I guess we'll just wait to get to that. But um, I don't think it really matters when we get to it because again, it's a, it's a story that uh, is separate from the rest of the. Um... But I get what you mean. We want to go in chronological order, uh, or at least mm-hmm. in, in in numerical order. So yes. Uh, we've, he makes his way south to a, a little diner. He still has money that he got from the ba- from the bank heist, quote unquote, in big inverted commas, bank heist uh, that Wednesday pulled. He has some cash, he has a credit card, and he has his stuff. And he finds a he, he goes to a little town where he uh, discovers uh, 
where Cairo is. He finds a means mm-hmm. of transportation instead of walking. Oh, and while he's walking, by the way, he encounter like while he's walking to this town before he even gets to it, he encounters one thing, which is a, I guess a couple of helicopters, like blacked out helicopters, which I thought was interesting. So whoever um, is running this organization, they have money and they have resources. So that I found fascinating. Mm-hmm. And so yes, he makes his way to this town, finds himself a Chevy Nova to drive to to Cairo. Yeah, he gets information. Um- and then the lady who's at the diner also gets him a car. Yeah, because her brother-in-law, I guess, picks up. Because he, he lies about how he got there, saying, hey, I my car broke down. It's a piece of shit car. Uh, I need another one. Mm-hmm. And he's able to just lie in, like, nobody's business. And Which I, I think he finds surprising, right? He does. He's like, wow, uh, these lies are just coming out of my mouth, like, like so easily all of a sudden. Uh, and I think it's because he's so used to just either a not saying anything at all or b just telling the truth, because that seems right. to be his moral dilemma. Is like if he, he he knows when he was being interrogated originally with by those guys uh, Wood and Stone, he's like, don't ask him questions, don't give him more information than they need. Just like he knows how to keep his head down and he knows not how how not to be in you know uh, suspicious. Mm-hmm. And so. He does, you know. He 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 knows. So how to, it's sort of like he's using stuff from that um, from prison, like skills he learned while in prison. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, which is funny because other, you know that that chapter or that part of the chapter was a lot about what he learned in prison, which was his coin tricks. There's like a good like two pages about how he can do a coin trick, and I'm like, I can't re- Like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm reading the description, and I'm like, oh, he palms this and he drops that. I'm like, this is I can't. Mm, I can't do this. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know what's going on. Like I couldn't picture it in my head what he was doing, you know. But I tried. I, I mean, I really did. I tried to like follow along, you know. But I couldn't. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, this is so rough. I can't read this. I just imagine whenever I read or parts like that, I would just imagine like close up magic. <laughs> right. Just yeah. imagine somebody doing like close up magic. I, I didn't understand what the tricks were exactly. Yeah. It's like, hey, I dropped the coin. Uh, and then there was like, there was the, my favorite one was they explained the pointless. It was actually called the pointless coin trick. And I'm like, why am I reading the description of a pointless coin trick? <laughs> this is so dumb. Um, but I get it. Like, the guy knows how to do coin tricks. And apparently, Neil Gaiman. I'm like wondering if Neil Gaiman like got like a coin trick book for Christmas that year or something. <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, <laughs> he you- just got like real into it and decided to like, drop bits and pieces into a book he might like he must have that must have been a hobby he picked up or something because i mean well it gives it gives shadow a different you know something um added to his character instead of him just being like a guy who does his job and um is is go with goes with the flow he sort of has like his own thing that I guess we could say it's his motivation which is learning new coin tricks i don't know if it's a motivation more than it is just (laughs) Uh, it's a part of his character, like a huge part of his character is, you know, to being able to do these these sleight of hand coin magic tricks. Like that I mean, because is... it got him through prison. Well, it got him through prison, and it, you know, it becomes significant, like sort of near the end of the third chapter or the third chapter, the 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 eighth chapter. Eighth chapter. Yeah, like it becomes. Slightly yeah, but um, I I feel like he does. Um, it's a motivation for him to learn new tricks because every single time someone does a coin trick, mm. which was um, um, what's her name, 
Bochinaya. 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 Yeah. And um which we're saying it Matt wrong. That, that name, I know we're we're saying it wrong. <laughs> yeah, because I looked it up because the name get comes up again. The name comes up again in this in, in the in these three chapters, and I'm like, huh, we are saying it completely wrong. It's like Vodishnaya. It's it's in Russian. It is in Russian. Like the amount of voice work. I anyway. So, yeah, and then Matt Sweeney teaches them supposedly teaches them a coin trick. Yeah, so I mean, so it seems like whenever someone does some sort of magic. Not magic, but like a coin trick. He's like really interested in it. Oh, he's in. He's in 100% and he loves it. Mm -hmm. And so he's doing these, you know, uh, which is funny because speaking of, and the reason why the the Vanchaknaya or whatever her name is comes up again is because um, the last time he gets beat up, he has the coin, the Liberty coin in his hand and it never gets warm. It stays cold in his hand. So apparently the, the temperature of the coin is significant. In which it stays cold in his hand for some reason. Don't know mm-hmm. how. I don't know what the significance is, but they brought it up, which means that there's something important that that, that the coin stays cold in his hand. Anyway, so yeah, he dry. He's making his he's making his way downtown, walking fast, faces pass, and he's homebound. And so he, <laughs> so he's on the back of a truck playing a piano, right? No, mm-hmm. um, he's he's driving his way down to to now where he knows where Cairo is, and he stops for the night because he's exhausted. A feeling that I know very well. <laughs> like I, I was like, you know, what's funny is these next three chapters, like the description, just brought me to a place where I'm like, oh, I remember what that was like. Oh, I remember that. Like I, you know, it's very interesting. But he falls asleep. Worked in a morgue, except for the morgue part. But okay. there's something that happens in that scene, or not in that scene, but in that chapter. I'm like, oh yeah, that's a really surprisingly a very um, good description of how th- of how things like of something that I that I have that I remember just vaguely experiencing in my life. So, saw but somebody eat body. Parts. We will talk about. We'll talk about when we get to it. <laughs> we'll talk about when we get to it. But right now. He's asleep, and he meets somebody. So you meet Sam or Sammy, I guess is her name. Sammy. Sammy. Is it Sammy? No, it's Sammy. No. But yeah. So tell me about Sammy or Sam. Well, she she seems adventurous because she just like initially is like, oh yeah, uh, give me a ride. <laughs> yeah, she's a, she's a hitchhiker. Right. A college uh, college student hitchhiker. Yeah, but she seems very trusting because um, Shadow is described throughout the book as someone that's very large. Yeah, and intimidating, yeah. And intimidating, but she's she somehow realizes that he's okay and asks him for a ride. Sort of, because she still says Yeah, like, because she doubts it. <laughs> yeah, she's like, "Are you just tell me you're not a murderer and tell me you haven't you're not you didn't break out of prison and stuff like that." Like she she still doubts her decisions despite the fact that she's done it for like apparently she's done it for the last 3 years and has safely traversed Yeah. you know, the states uh hitchhiking. It doesn't really make sense to me though because I do the same thing like when I meet somebody new as I ask them if um they're into murder. And <laughs> How, why did I, I know? Mean, I, I, I didn't get that question. <laughs> or did I? Oh, maybe I, I did, did actually. You. I think I think you did think you'd ask me, yeah. Yeah. Um uh, it's not like a real murderer would 
tell you the truth. So <laughs> I'm totally so, I mean, into murder. It's sort of pointless to ask. <laughs> like, unless you're asking face to face and you can like look into their eyes and see if you can see anything. Well, like some glint of like, yeah, I love to murder, you know? <laughs> so yes, we meet Sammy. Yeah, she seems lively and bubbly. Mm-hmm. Um, very talkative, whereas Shadow's pretty quiet. But she wants to know like all about Shadow and is like asking him all kinds of questions. Um which he's happy to answer. He's trying to answer as like truthfully as possible. But um, he, he does something that I thought was really funny. He's like, oh, you're a blah, blah, blah student majoring in this, and you're doing this bronze work or whatever to get your way, you know, to make your way through college. And she was like. Yeah, and she was out. like so shocked. She's like, how did you know about the bronze <laughs> And I was just like, oh, that's weird. Which I'm curious if that's one of his powers, like is being able to see that stuff. You know, he, mm-hmm. he jokingly says, oh, I just made it up, but. I'm curious if he really knows how to like read people. Maybe he's such like a blank slate that he can sense stuff. Because I mean, I'm not trying to say he's a blank slate, but it kind of seems like he doesn't have his own personality. It's sort of like he attaches himself to the biggest personality in the room, which was his wife at first, and then Mr. Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like he feeds off of that and like goes along with whatever that yeah. person's doing. Yeah, because there was a there was a there was a moment where he was saying how. He was. I don't know if it was later on or dur- while he was in the uh, in the room when he was getting beaten up by stone and wood, where he was rem- reminiscing how he never got along with anybody up until Laura. Like he didn't know, but he didn't like really um, socialize with anybody up until Laura. Like nobody wanted to socialize with him. You know, they thought he was again mm-hmm. big and intimidating. And all of a sudden, here's this one person who seems to to get him. Which makes me think you might be right. Like he was waiting for a big enough personality to, to hold on to and to cling to, which mm-hmm. is interesting again for this character. Like this is usually most characters who are the leads have these really um, big ala- personalities, or, or just really kind of yeah, they're big or but they're distinct, fleshed out. Yeah, they're fleshed out. That's the yeah exactly. That's the phrase I'm looking for. They're fleshed out personalities, and here we have the first you know this guy who just. It's just kind of there. You're right. Like it's a blank slate, sort of. You know, mm-hmm. just does what he has to do to get to get through. But anyway, so he's with Sam. What else? Ha- like, you know, tell me more about their little adventure. Tell me more. Tell me more. Well, he had a car, <laughs> well he had a car. So. Oh really? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get very far? Uh, you know what? I almost thought something was going to happen because he they describe how um, he finally sees her and he finds her attractive but kind of manly. <laughs> He's like, oh, yes, she, yeah. she's she's pretty but has manly features. I was like, that's an interesting description. Mm-hmm. I was imagining, or did she have short hair? I was imagining her with short hair. I don't. I, I don't. They, she doesn't talk. They don't think they talk about the hair. They, I think he just says, oh, she's she's attractive but manly. Um, and then you oh. later find out that. She's half white, half um, Indian. Mm-hmm. Native American. Right. Native American. Thank you. And it's, it's it, that's significant because she also asks Shadow, like, what's your lineage and what's your, like, are you? Again, it gets brought up again. Yeah. Are you a Native American too? And he's like, I have no idea. Like, he still doesn't know, like, what his. Hint, hint, hint. Yeah. <laughs> other than his, you know, he hung out, you know, he was with his mom the most, most of the time. So I like that. I really like that they're kind of continuing to. To to tease about his 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 lineage. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah, 
and then but he also has all those dreams about like um with like the buffalo and it's sort of like a native american type thing well he only the had the buffalo. one the only one dream right i thought he only had that one yeah but it talks to him directly and asks him to believe yeah, but he also has dreams later on that have nothing to do with kind of the Native American-ish um, animal spirits and things like that. Like, he has some pretty elaborate dreams later on, which we'll, of course, get into as well. Yeah, I guess we'll find out mm-hmm. as we go along. Because they keep dropping hints about his lineage, like, and he's very unsure about his lineage. So I'm pretty sure that's going to come up in the future. Yeah. But uh, at some point, he finally gets her, you know, they have a meal. Oh, he, he he pulls a he pull he pulls a coin trick on her to pay for her meal uh, at a restaurant, which I thought was 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 kind of uh, which was which smooth was smooth, but also again kind of tells you a little bit more about his character. He is generous, you know. He's a he's a giver, you know, mm-hmm. just like he did for his wife. And you find out more about what happened with the with the wife too, or with with what his crime was. Because mm-hmm. he, you know, she, you know, she asks him if he, if she's ever he, if he broke out of prison. He says, "No, I was in prison for hurting some people who got me angry or something like that." And she's like, "Did they?" Right. Des- she did. Mm-hmm. She asked if they deserved it, and he said, "At the time, I thought they did." So he hurt somebody. He hurt some people, mm-hmm. and he got. Uh, he yeah, he went to he went to jail for it. But do you, you, we finally know now what he did for the most part, like kind of what his crime was. Sort of. Like, we have an idea now. Yeah, we have sort of an idea. A vague picture. Vague picture, yeah. Um, so what happens after that? Uh, he drops her off, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. At a later date. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, yeah. So they, 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 they continue their journey. They do a little more talking, but he does end up dropping her off at her aunt's house. Yeah, but it feels like they made a connection. Like, he has, like, a friend now. Sort of, yeah. He, she, yeah. I mean, he even reveals the whole gods thing. Like he talks about um, her, her mechagulies or whatever the case, you know, whatever the, the he, he mentions gods and he talks about the gods and at some mm-hmm. point, and and the, that's how they connect again. And because she, she even, you know, at the end of their their journey, she tells him to say hello to the next set of gods she sees, mm-hmm. which leads him to a hotel because he's still making yes. his way. And man, to Cairo. To Cairo. But something happens in that hotel. Uh, he's sitting there watching television, minding his own business, when somebody on the television starts talking to him directly. Yeah. It happens to be, well, he's watching the Dick Van Dyke show. And yeah, and it goes a little bit wonky. Because Dick Van Dyke smacks uh, Mary Tyler Moore and, like, starts telling her not to get up or something and or, or he'll hit her again, which was yeah, really like weird. Abusing her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is really dark. <laughs> yeah. For Dick Van Dyke. Well, and that was where he was like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah. He's like, what episode is this? And then it, it switches yeah. over to I love Lucy. Mm-hmm. And In it- which we meet, uh, Lucy, Ricky Ricardo leaves the room mm-hmm. for a moment and then she speaks directly to him and says, um, basically says that if he wants to work for them, that she'd be willing to pay any amount of money. Right. And she, and we find out that she is, I guess, like the god of TV. Right. Is that, is that what she is? Like, they don't know. She doesn't straight up say it, but I think that's what we're supposed to get out of that. Like, she is the god of television. Right. Right. 
Yeah. Was this the was this the chapter where she explains like how people uh watch Yeah, briefly. TV t- and then like they kind of like pay with their time. Yes, exactly. Cause she, uh, so like they worship with their time. Cause... Yeah. Yeah, that's their that is instead of yeah, instead of that's their sacrifice, she says. Yeah, know? instead of instead of like offering prayers or like blood sacrifices, mm-hmm. it's uh time. Yeah. Sacrificing time. And even relationships sometimes, she said. Exactly, yeah. So people are sacrificing these things for her. The TV god right. who happens to be Lucille Ricardo. Lucille Ball. She said Lucy, he says Lucille Ball, and she's like, No, I'm Lucy Ricardo. And she's yeah. like, Have you ever wanted to see her boobs? And it was right then when because earlier he had put the TV on a timer, on a sleep timer, so it ended up mm-hmm. turning off. Like, yeah, and then it it shut off. It's funny because I'm like, why are they mentioning the sleep timer? And everything they mention like it's funny how like the most mundane things that they that that Neil writes about has significance to what's going to happen later on. It's like, oh, yeah. of course. Duh. Like, it's 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 like that in pretty much well, not every book, because some people, some authors haven't protect like perfected that where you only share what needs to be shared and is vital to the story. But obviously Neil Gaiman is like a very experienced and a, a an awesome writer. So he's got that down like uh you know, he can drop hints here and there, and it's why it's like you can pick up on what's going to happen next. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I've read a few books, and <laughs> in I, my time, in my time, I've read a few books, <laughs> uh, a few books. But I don't. I, 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 I this, this is, I think, the first author where I where there's payoff to like the mundane. Because right? a lot of it's time, not just like oh, he walked and looked behind the hedge. For no apparent reason. <laughs> well, but with like when he looks behind, the, but I'm saying like when he t- makes a turn, like if he straight up says, "Oh, he turns right at this corner." There's a reason why he turned right at this corner. Like he'll explain why he turned right at this corner and why it was significant. Most of the mm-hmm. time, writers would be like, "He turns right in this corner and then bumps into somebody." Instead of like, yeah, there was no reason why he turned right. Yeah, initially. Right. Just to bump into somebody. Like, it, it, I, th- I think other authors, if they were given the same scene, wouldn't have said, okay, well, he, you know, pressed the button three times to make sure that it would go off in 90 minutes or whatever. Like, it, it's so kind of just a boring detail that just turns out to be like, oh, well, here's this um, god who's trying to to uh, seduce, not seduce, but kind of get uh, Shadow to work for them. And even to the mm-hmm. point where they're going to do something lewd, like show off Lucille Ball's boobs or something, like it, it was weird. Like it was just, it was just kind of weird to have that happen. And then for the TV to turn off, I was like, oh, okay, oh, that makes all right, that makes sense, that makes sense, that's pretty cool. Well, I mean, now that you notice it about Neil Gaiman's writing, mm-hmm. as we like continue reading, then you can take note of it and see like if it pays off again. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it does in these next couple chapters. So I think so. This is probably then when we get to. Um, so I, I want to say the guy's name is Salim, but I don't think it is. Um, it is. It is Salim. Okay. So I think now is when we get the Salim story. Man who has come to America for just he's been here for a week. It's modern times. It's not like the other few stories, even though the no, uh, it's not modern. It's not modern. Well, he has a tax. There's a taxi, and he's selling like goods. 
Yeah, um, but I was under the impression that it was like a minute ago, like a bit ago. <laughs> well, maybe, but they don't really because they don't give enough. I thought it was like I was under the impression that it was like in the 1920s or something because of just like the like the way that the people spoke to each other and maybe but i think the reason why i think it's more modern is because he's muslim and that's not something that i think existed in the 20s like they're not existed but like uh, there wasn't a lot of muslim immigrants in the, in the 20s i would think mm-hmm. but maybe maybe I, I don't think that and plus they were giving his job was to sell there was a fax machine so it couldn't have been the 20s because he had to fax his um he had to fax his brother-in-law all the time. They would fax each other back and forth. Uh, yeah, how things were going. So that's why I thought it was more modern times because of the, the fax machine and and they really didn't give a lot of detail. It could have been the eighties because fax machines existed in the eighties, but uh, I think that yeah, maybe it was in the eighties. But for some reason, when I read it, I was under the impression that it was like a while ago but yeah uh yeah the fax machine can't be argued with I'm yeah pretty sure and, and plus, no one had a fax machine in the 1920s <laughs> and plus in the 20s they didn't have middle eastern i don't believe they had middle eastern um cab drivers either you know what i mean mm-hmm. so we have uh we have salim who is uh, down on his luck he's trying to sell all of his like the, he's trying to sell souvenirs to different companies uh, to, mm-hmm. to that they become like the distributor, not the distributor, but they become the, I guess, to get the company to be the distributor of their souvenirs. And that's how he's making a living, uh, in the U.S. And in one of, in, in another failed attempt to try to sell souvenirs, he meets up with a cab driver who happens to end up being a god. Right. So, um, didn't they like, Something happened where his sunglasses came off. So, uh, I guess the, the guy who we find out is Ifrit or Ifrit, however you pronounce his name, an Ifrit. But um, we kind of figure out it's sort of like a genie. Who's a genie? Yeah, a genie or a jinn, or yeah. like a jinn. Yeah, because he's like people here think I grant wishes. <laughs> right, yeah, and the reason why the glasses came off was because he, the guy, had been working for thirty hours, and he's like, all I do is drive people around. Like that's my job. It's like I don't, give, I don't grant wishes. I don't do these things. I don't have these powers. I mean, he has powers, mm-hmm. but he's like, my job is no. To- but he, he didn't. Um, how did his glasses come off though? There was so, like some kind of incident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Salim is like tapping the guy on the shoulder a lot because he's falling asleep at the wheel. <laughs> and right, so the, right, there's right. one point where he falls asleep at the wheel and Salim taps him on the shoulder. And when he wakes up, the sunglasses come off and you see the fire in his eyes confirming that he's Ifrit, the jinn. Yeah, he thought he was going to get marked. Yeah. And so we find out, you know, they find out that, you know, that, that, um, that he is a, a god, or he is a he is a mythical being. I don't necessarily think a jinn is a god. I guess because he, he, they don't explain like he's a god. He's he's a jinn. It's like a demon. Uh, yeah, like a demon, or um, yeah, I guess a demon would work. Uh, uh, but some kind of uh, some kind of ethereal creature, some kind of mythical creature, right? right, right. And creature natural. Yeah, and so Salim feeling a connection with this guy says, Hey, you know what? You know, drop You're dropping me off at my hotel. Here's my room number in case you're interested. And he goes out to get dinner. And I guess 
the Jin was interested because he's there waiting for him at the hotel room or at the hotel. And mm-hmm. they go up to the room and I'm like, okay, this is, I'm like, what's going to happen next? Oh, all right. Our first uh, gay sex scene to happen in, uh, that's the first gay sex scene I've ever read in a book. I don't even, right. even, even in Game of Thrones, I think it was, it wasn't as detailed. It wasn't even detailed, but there's a lot of, I mean, yeah, I mean, they're not detailed, but it was, it was really interesting to kind of see the dynamic um, between these two men. And it ends up being, I, I don't, so the last bit of this story confused me. It seems like they switched lives. Um, Because he was saying something to the effect like he doesn't grant wishes. Yeah, but he doesn't explain anything after that. He just says, I'm not a... I yeah, don't- he, doesn't, he doesn't grant wishes, mm-hmm. but after they have sex, it seems like in the morning when he wakes up, he leaves with his clothing and leaves his cab and everything with him. And it's sort of like he gets a new chance at life mm-hmm. So instead no, yeah. of having to like sell random items. Um, he gets the chance to be a cab driver. Right. Well, that's, a th- well, okay. I mean, I don't, th- I think it's the other way around where the djinn finally gets to leave his life of servitude, you know, cause as a genie, you have a life of servitude technically until all three wishes are granted in this case, because he doesn't grant wishes, his life of servitude is being a cab driver. And so he passes on that life of servitude to Salim, who apparently looks... I felt like it was the opposite way around, because um, we don't see it from the 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 Ifrit's point of view, no. where it seems like he's free. It's from, it's from um, Salim's point of view. So we're seeing him, tra- quote-unquote, transform in the sense that he gets something out of it but that would instead ass- of it being the opposite way around so then maybe so maybe you're maybe you're saying that because a lot of this is kind of you have to is implied you have to kind of figure it out for yourself because then maybe that was the wish that salim wanted because he was he really hated what he was doing like he hated what he was doing yeah he absolutely hated it and he hated the pressure he felt he always felt like um his parents disapproved of him mm-hmm. and he was a failure um you know, his brother-in-law thought he was a failure, and the only person who would care that if he died was his sister. Right, exactly, because he was he was so uh, it was sort of like he was at the end of his rope. Like he did not want to be doing what he was doing. He was like very sick and tired of um, living in America, even if it was just for one week. And so, I guess in a way, then the Ifrit did grant Salim's wish, which was to give him a different life. Right. So even and I sort he- of felt like the sex scene was like, I don't know, it felt like two people from a different place or a different country who didn't have anyone else. And it was like a comforting thing. It was for the both of them, but they were from the same country because they spoke in. They spoke no, no, in- no. I meant like oh. um, they were in a from a different. Oh, country. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's like they're in a different place. They don't know anyone else. Yeah. You know. And it was sort of like that's the first person he saw that was um, similar to him, like the same. And you see like yourself and people who are uh, similar to you, sort of like, you know, like if you <laughs> see like an Asian person, <laughs> uh, you're, and right. you're like, yeah, we I know you are. I see you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah. And you're like someplace and you're with a bunch of like other braces and you just see like 
the one other Asian person. Well, you're, you're, expo- you're again, listen to the pilot episode of this pod. Of, of, uh, actually, <laughs> listen to the pilot episode of Introvert's Guide to the Universe, which is the parent podcast of this one. And you'll get exactly what everything that, that E is talking about, you will hear in detail in that <laughs> one. Um, but yeah, yeah, because you're right. You, you know, Ifrit was miserable in his job. He hated what he was doing. So I think the switch was mutual and they mutually exchanged it through having sex with one another. Like they, they mutually <laughs> like shared comfort and, 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 and they got some pleasure out of it and they got some passion out of it. Like they really, yeah. they, it, it was like they met each other at a point where they needed each other the most. And it right. not just translated in a jaw in, in like switching lives, but it also translated in like this sexual tension um, between the two. And so they get because to I didn't feel it. like uh, while reading it that it was um, overtly sexual, like some kind of like oh the tensions rising and like they look at each other and they're like completely turned on or something. It was like. Well, I mean, there was a lot of math. comfort thing. There wasn't anything in the cab ride because normally, no. if there's going to be a sex scene, there's like some kind of Built prelude up. to it. I mean, in a way, I mean, in in a weird way, again, it, the the buildup was that they both were were mutually miserable with the way their lives were going, and they right. and they did mutual and they again connected in a they connected in a way where he wasn't like Salim wasn't surprised when he met when he saw that 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 Ifrit was there like when he saw the fire in the guy's eyes he's like oh this mm-hmm. it didn't freak him out it, it, he was kind of like shadow in the sense of like oh this is a thing like that happens <laughs> like whatever <laughs> like you know no big deal so i think you're right maybe yeah yeah i mean i agree with you there was an, a a build up of foreplay and passion but i don't think it was necessary i think the fact that they that in the in that sex scene they described that it happened like oh for a while like they were doing it for a while it wasn't just like mm-hmm. one and done like apparently uh, Salim got off a bunch of times and Ifri got on, off a bunch of times m- like more than once and then they talk about cuddling and all of a sudden they're at it again you know they're cuddling for a little bit and then they're at it again so I mean there was. That's why I say sexual tension because they kept having sex. <laughs> like it didn't just happen right. the one time; they kept doing it, and they went and they came back for more. Uh, so that's why I was thinking, oh, well, okay, so they came back for more. Uh, yeah, so uh, they switch out lives. Um, that story, I guess, just proves that not only do gods exist, but again, these kind of oh, again, demons or demigods or whatever you want to call them that they exist as well and that they uh, live amongst us. Uh, mm-hmm. And you wouldn't know unless you knew what to look out for. But then we get back to shadow again. Uh, shadow is driving, right? He finally gets to Cairo mm-hmm. and then he, uh, I don't know. Well, he, he meets up with, uh, he meets up with Ibis and Jackal. Who was a talking, who at the time was a talking dog. Right. Wait, what was he doing? Oh, he saw a kid. He wanted to do a, a coin trick again. Mm-hmm. And then the dog started talking. Yeah, and freaks out the kid. <laughs> yeah, he's the dog. The dog starts talking and um, says something sort of demeaning to his magic tricks or something great like yeah it was it was it was just yeah I, I mean I don't remember in detail that that particular conversation. All I know is that Ibis was is it Ibis? Ibis. Ibis. Was there with his gold rim glasses, and there was Jackal, kind of just like doing his thing. And there's the cat, 
Uh, and they were mm-hmm. just there. They're all there, kind of like, oh, we were kind of expecting. Oh, they were expecting. Of course they were expecting, because the, the, the raven said to, to look for these people uh, in right. Cairo. So they were expecting Shadow. And Shadow's like, thanks for, for giving me a place to stay. Um, and I'll work for you guys and do whatever you guys need for as long as you need it while I stay here. And they accept, they accept his, uh, his generosity. Right. So he, um, he stays there. He helps out with, um, because they turn out to be, uh, I guess, morticians or well, they're, they're, yeah, they're a funeral parlor. Right. Yeah. Um, and, um, I guess Ibis works for an house, right? Ibis what? Ibis works like front of the house. Right. Yeah. So Jackal does the uh, autopsies. The autopsies. Yeah. yeah. And I, he, he was like seen eating parts of the body. <laughs> yeah. He, he, saw, he yeah. was, he was, um, describing everything that, um, Oh yeah. I that guess was... sort of like a, reg- like how they normally do. Like when they do autopsies, they, um, you know, perform that autopsy and then describe everything they see. Right. And it was a, and it was sort of like that. Yeah. Cause in this case it was a, a girl who, uh, was pregnant and that her boyfriend wasn't very happy with it and ended up stabbing her a bunch of times. Right. But, but yeah, could... it didn't seem, um, irreverent either. Like, um, shadow didn't think what he was doing was gross or irreverent. He felt like him eating the pieces of the body seemed respectful. That's what harmful. he said. I think right. Was, yeah. Respectful. It was respectful of the body. Yeah. Because, um, it would be a, a piece for evidence and then a piece for him, a piece for evidence right. and a piece for him. Uh, but yeah, I guess, I mean, kind of gross, but still whatever. Fine. Uh, but yeah, so he finds himself. Well, I mean, wasn't that what he did? He did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, it was interesting, you know, because, and then there was a piece for, for, he put in formaldehyde, I guess, to to, to preserve, maybe for later. I mean, I don't know if he eats it for later. We don't know. Yeah. But uh, this is the first time where we're getting a lot more detail on kind of the smaller things, you know, like he, that whole report is in detail. Like he talks about where the girl gets stabbed and where they don't and, and where, you know, like here's their intestines. These are fine. Or here's her heart. Looks like the, the right ventricle was, was cut. Like they go into, like, it's not just a summary of, of the body parts. They literally, or Gaiman literally has him saying every body part and what happened to it. It was really weird. Um, because mm-hmm. I wasn't used to it. Like he's not, he normally doesn't put that much detail on something that I felt was fairly insignificant, which I was waiting for the next, for the other shooter drop. It's like, so there must be something big about this body. Like something like they'll discover like gold in her liver or something, but nothing ever happened. No, nothing ever happens. But I, I think it sort of shows, uh, the personality of Jackal mm-hmm. in a sense, because he's very uh, meticulous and takes his job very seriously. Um, you know, like how um, Chernabog was didn't have a job at the time, and they were just like in between being um, what's it called, uh, fortune tellers. Yeah, yeah. They didn't really enjoy it. He really enjoyed being like the guy who murks cows. Yeah, he's. A- but okay. he he didn't have that job anymore. But um, it sort of seems like Jackal and Ibis really like their human job so i mean you kind of see like the old gods and some of them are completely dissatisfied dissatisfied with their lives but some of them 
you know, make a living for themselves in the normal world, even without the worship of other people. Yeah, which is what Mama G was kind of trying to explain to Odin originally. Right. It's like, hey, some of us are perfectly fine the way things are. They don't need to believe in us anymore. I'm cool. And she even said, like, hey, there's yeah. someone in India right now who is pretty much me and is getting worshipped left and right. And she's like, I'm perfectly fine that they get worshipped. I don't need I don't need the glory. You know? Yeah. Well she seems she seems to be one who who um you know she gets some here and there. You yeah, know, I, I some followers yeah. still. Yeah. Or, or because I don't know if there are I know people um you know are Hindu follow the religion of Hinduism, which sure. is what she's a part of. And uh, other people, I'm pretty sure I could be completely wrong, you know, don't necessarily believe in like Ibis anymore. Yeah. I mean, or- like, we're, 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 we're <laughs> speculating, you know, we don't really know um, in the sense of like, who- well, I mean, in real life, Oh yeah, in like, real life, do, yeah. You, do you know anyone who believes in like ancient Egyptian gods and like, Oh, well, I was thinking of in the in the realm of the book because in the realm of the book it seems like some of them are still getting like some of them are getting worshipped to some degree. You know what I mean? Like there's these little. Well, connections. it kind of correlates with uh, regular life, like real life. Like Odin's not doing too hot, no, you know? No, no, because no one's really believing in Odin right now, and like um, there are some gods who are doing better than others, and it's like you know, like some of them are down on their luck, like having to eat people like Bilquis. Yeah. Not a lot of people know who Bilquis is anymore. No. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. there's some of them like Mama G who still gets people to worship her. I'm still waiting for Bilquis to come back. Like I'm, I'm waiting for that. Cause I mean, they introduced this character and then gone. Like I'm waiting for her to come back and, and, and play a role in, in, the, in the, well, as we see at the end of this chapter, what is it? This end of the chapter that Mad Sweeney came back. Yeah, that's true. We do get Mad Sweeney back. So maybe we'll see her. Sure. At a later date, but for now, yeah. So he's doing his job. Um, he's driving around, hearses around. He's like, he's getting to know kind of this new life, helping uh, retrieve bodies and such. Exactly. Uh, his first night there, and if, if I, it's funny because they keep mentioning how his clothes always fit him uh, really well. Like they're like tailor fit for him for some reason. Um, I don't know why that was significant because they never he there was no payoff to like oh these clothes always, like I wonder who used to wear these clothes they never really say who maybe they will later on but at the moment they're like oh yeah all these clothes fit him super perfectly but right uh, there is a there's, so there's or maybe a, they were expecting him and just had his sizes maybe I mean <laughs> they make, they make it sound like he has a very specific type of body that. That, that, right, that is not common because yeah. he's like so tall and intimidating, and yeah, he's got that. Uh, um, not just some guy. <laughs> he's got the upside down. Uh, he has the upside down triangle body. He has the Dorito body. He has the Dorito body. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in a, in a good way, I guess. Not the Dorito body, as in he's fat, <laughs> but uh, no, the Dorito body. Like, um, what is it? That guy who plays Captain America? Yeah, Chris Evans. Yeah. Yeah. He has, he, has a, a body. he has a Dorito body. That's true. He does have a Dorito body. That's true. Uh, but yeah, there's a, so, you know, he, he's been there for a day. He's been doing work. Uh, this is kind of the slowest the book has been so far. Like it's been pretty fast paced up until this moment where the, we actually spend time with him in this town of Cairo and Cairo doing his job. But there is a scene. Well, which I, I kind of feel like it shows that he 
gets along with everybody, it seems like. There hasn't been, like, one god that he's met that he didn't get along with. Technically, well, yes and no. I mean, technically he... I mean, out of the old gods, not the new gods. Yeah, I was gonna say, he already got into a, some beef with the tech, the tech god from the limo. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess whatever god has, uh, kidnapped him from the restaurant you know earlier so i mean there's somebody right. you know some some people are not very happy with him but then there's a scene yeah, the old gods it seems like he's getting along with them for the most part because we find out later we find out in this chapter that mad sweeney was told to fight uh to fight shadow by odin um but we'll get into more detail in a minute because there's this this is the scene where i was like huh the amount of detail that they're putting in this scene like Reminded me of because look, uh, it was just interesting. It was weird. So he goes to he, it's his first night there, right? And he's dreaming. He can't remember his dreams. Then all of a sudden, out of like nowhere, um, he's having like a what he assumes is like a wet dream, where he's like kissing on a girl in in leopard in a leopard skirt. I want to say. Mm-hmm. And who is described to have the softest lips, or whatever, but the scratchiest tongue? Right. <laughs> oh, this is the cat! Like at first, I was like, "Okay, this is just a dream," and then the scratchy tongue came in. I'm like, "Oh, it's the cat!" <laughs> like, <laughs> the cat is either a shapeshifter like, or having sex with the cat. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, they're well." They all they all seem to be shapeshifters because Ibis and Jackal have human forms and animal forms. I think I think most of the gods have some type of animal form because their shadows yeah, are because, always something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mister Nancy was the spider, right? Yes, yeah, but he has a human form, right? And um, someone is uh, Sweeney's an eagle. No, not an eagle. A hawk. I think was it a hawk? Or an eagle. It was a bird. I know it's a bird. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so they're describing. So this, this is um, a, a longer sex scene than I had anticipated, uh, because it, there is talk of like, you know, there's the kissing which happened a lot. Um, they talk about his, you know, they talk about his painful erection, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he hasn't had a painful erection since he was a kid, like, uh, or not a kid, but like as a, as a teenager. I'm like, okay, this, okay, where are we getting with this? But, uh, yeah, it was really, it, it was a very interesting sex scene in the sense of, like, I was, I wasn't, like, aroused by it or anything. But I was, like, the, the amount of detail of it was, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess, you know, that's how it's like. Like, I guess that's a really good description of how it's like. So, I thought that was fascinating. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. Even, like, to the point where he, you know, where he orgasms. Like, there's description of it. Um, not right. in, yeah, and and not in like, and it's all. It, it doesn't seem sleazy in any way. It, it seems just kind of like it's a thing that happens. But again, mm-hmm. the, the 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 detail and kind of how it was written out. Doesn't like, she say something to him like "let it all go"? Yeah, or let it something go. Like that. Yeah, because he was holding back. You know, he's like he he's like because there, there, he does describe that he is almost there. Like he's already he's, no 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 it's something to that wasn't it like everything from his past and everything like that's afterwards so while he, yeah he was that, in prison <laughs> yeah because the first part was they're having sex he's ready to he's ready to go he's ready he's ready he's ready to come and he's she's like just let it go and he does 
And apparently it's really intense for him. And then he, she continues to say it because all of these emotions pop up at the same time. Like all these feelings come up about, yeah, like, cause he, fe- cause he's, he feels like he's in two separate places, like he, like he's at the prison, like he's at different places. And that's also part of it. She's like, let it go. Just let it all go. And that was part of it as well. Because when she wakes, when mm-hmm. he wakes up, all of the bruises from his fight with Mad Sweeney, which apparently last, apparently he still has the bru- I don't know how, how much time passed between his fight with Mad Sweeney and that point, but apparently it wasn't enough for him to have his wounds. No, together. I thought it was from the. Because he, he, he says both. He says from the- wood and. Whatever. Wooden stone, yeah. So he has the wooden stone um, beating, the bruises from the wooden stone beating. But he also mentions the mm-hmm. like one like hit like a bruise on his chest from Mad Sweeney. Like he actually like right. his name gets brought up. He he gets name checked in his bruises, and he wakes up. Mm-hmm. Well, he he's like I remember wearing I remember having clothes on, um, and now I'm naked in my bed. <laughs> like this is weird. <laughs> uh. And also, like, like the cat knows how to get into certain rooms. It's like I remember he, 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 where he makes reference. Like I remember locking this door, but the cat's able to get in. Huh, how is that possible? And the cat really likes him, which is why, of course, that's the connection: is the cat can turn human and have sex with people. Apparently, yeah, mm. while they're asleep. While they're asleep. Yeah. All right. Whatever. Hey, he had a good time. Um. Oh, there was even a scene where he's like. My wife isn't going to be very happy with this. He's good. She's going to get mad at you and going to beat you up. Mm-hmm. Like she, he actually has that thought, and he, you know, he still has sex with the cat. Well, the girl, cat. Anyway, anyway, girl, cat, lady. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So again, I'm still figuring out what the significance of that scene was, other than it heals him. Like I guess the significance is, is the act of having sex with the cat was he was healing. healing. Maybe yeah. that's her power and that's the only way she can do it <laughs> maybe maybe okay well and she seems to like him yeah. like like i said it seems like a lot of the old gods like him yeah so. yeah they're very uh, drawn to him which i can't wait for the big reveal of who he is watch him be jesus or something <laughs> like he is jesus <laughs> <laughs> i'm pretty sure he would know if he was right <laughs> well no well he doesn't know. well maybe maybe yeah, I don't know because I'm trying to figure out all what, of the other all of the other gods. They're pretty aware of who they are. Well, because that's that's really kind of the question I have is like who he has to be like a demigod of some type because everyone else is pretty aware. They remember when they came over and who they came over with. Yeah, and that's true. Unless he got like a memory wipe, which would be really difficult to explain in the end. He has to be like a demigod. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he's Thor or something. Maybe that's why Wednesday or a demigod or has some kind of. Just connection uh, to the gods, Native American thing. Yeah, that seems to be that seems to be what they keep hinting at because they keep mentioning the Native American thing. And in one of the original Coming to America stories, which was the Viking one, there was talk of a Native American god in there somewhere. Uh, so mm-hmm. that makes me think that there must be some kind of ancient Native American god that is part of who Shadow is. Anyway, uh, so the next morning he's he's up and about. He's going out and he decides to just sneak out of the house for a little bit, and he runs into who? Mad Swinney. Mad Swinney. And what's going on with Mad with Mad with the Leprechaun? Um, he is basically asking for that coin back because he says, "Do you remember the coin trick that I taught you that one night?" Um, 
I took a coin that didn't belong to me. Right. It's the coin that goes that is it's a coin that's supposed to go to royalty and to some you know, like it's a very special coin. They don't really go into detail about it, but Matt's, Yeah, they don't go into detail. Matt Sweeney Sweeney's desperate for this coin. Yeah. So he um doesn't have the coin obviously because he gave it to Laura and he explained that to him. He doesn't say Laura, but he says I gave it away. Yeah. And then um at that point he says that um Mr. Wednesday paid him or not paid him but told him to start a fight with him that night. Mm-hmm. And sort of is like, don't trust him, don't trust him. And then asks yeah. for money to get out of the town. 20 bucks to get out of there. Mm-hmm. So uh, Shadow decides, okay, well, I guess I'll do that. And gives him the 20 bucks. And goes back into town because he has some work to do anyway. Uh, I. Uh, it's funny that, that Mad Sweeney was willing to do all this stuff for Wednesday, yet is now all of a sudden warning Shadow, don't trust him. <laughs> like, I trusted him enough to do whatever he told me to do, but now I'm telling you, don't trust him anymore. It's like, mm, that's Well, boring. I mean, maybe Wednesday had something on him. Some ulterior. Oh, I see, I see. Maybe. I, I wish they hinted at it better, but it was more like, mm, just don't trust, I don't know, don't trust the guy. Uh, or maybe he just likes fights too, because um, he was like thoroughly enjoying it when they were fighting. That's true. He's a fighting Irish. He likes to. He, he he's a, he's a fighter for that's for sure. Uh, but yeah, so we uh, the the chapter actually ends, or the the scene. Was it the chapter of the scene? It ends with a uh, shadow saying, "And that's the last time I ever saw Mad Sweeney alive." Saw him Dun dun dun. So now we're on to the next day. What's going on this next day? Uh, funeral. Yes. A lot of Tupperware and a lot of food. Mm-hmm. A uh, lot of the guy saying that his children are ungrateful and didn't love their mother or whatever. Which is funny because they met a similar dude earlier um, who was this, not him, not this group, but there was another guy who was like, Ungrateful bastards. They don't, you know. It was another. It was another funeral home. I remember the same exact kind. No, of it was the same guy. Oh, it was the same guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. But so, uh, yeah, he, he's doing his job, doing his thing. Uh, it seems like everything. And I then he gets a call. Where does he get a call from? Right. Uh, Mr. Ibis gets a call and says oh. that to yes. quiet. He tells him to quietly go and uh, collect the body. Yes. Which I'm glad the payoff for that last phrase happens in the next chapter. We don't have to wait like three chapters to find out like right. what's he talking about. Like what's gonna happen? And so we find Matt Sweeney uh, dead uh, with mm-hmm. a bottle of Jameson in his hand, and the cops think that he pretty much got himself drunk and inevitably died from the cold. Right. And Which is uh, comes back to sort of haunt Shadow in the sense that he's like twenty bucks to get out of this town, so it's like he used uh, the twenty bucks to get alcohol and drink. And die. Yeah. Well, he already. Well, Mad Sweeney was already convinced he was going to die anyway because of he lost right. because of the coin. So, of the coin. 
I guess he wanted to go on his own terms, which would make mm-hmm. sense. You know, he want he wanted to he wanted his own he wanted to get out um, the way he knew best. Uh, so when he's taking him away in in the hearse, uh, Matt Sweeney continues to talk to Shadow and share like, "Hey, you know, make sure I have a a good wake," you know, because he was a god, like he was worshipped and he was a god, like he's a leprechaun and. And I guess he wants to have some of that, the, some of the glory from his old days, you know, happen. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, in honor of Matt Sweeney, uh, they save a space for him. Uh, Ibis starts telling kind of the history of uh, of his, uh, I guess, of his life, um, in which at some point Matt Sweeney takes over and starts talking about like his life. Right. <laughs> And but all altogether, it seems like a pretty cool party, even though it's sort of like not as he imagined because there was only four people. But yeah, well, he got he kind of got the wake that he wanted in a way that they were celebrating his life, um, and that's all he wanted was a celebration of his life. He wanted they want he wanted a celebration of of who he was and what he meant uh, to the world, mm-hmm. and so that happens. Um, and uh, at the very end, um, kind of, Shadow's just like, "All right, well, there you go." And 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 uh, Matt Sweeney's still trying to convince Shadow of something. I don't know what, but he's still trying to talk to Shadow. And I think they put a uh, the the uh, sheet over his head, and kind of he kind of moves on with life in a way. Yeah. Which leads us to uh, the final, the kind of the final part of this chapter, the eighth chapter. Which is we get to we finally get to hear well we don't get to hear what happened but we finally get to meet up with Odin again right and it's pretty and like they're sort of off to their new de- destination yeah it was a pretty quick exit like not a lot of pomp and circumstance right it's just kind of like hey mm-hmm. I'm back let's go like no explanation just nothing let's let's get out of here right which uh, again. After what Matt Sweeney said about not trusting him and all this stuff, he makes you wonder, like, what the hell's going on? But we have di- we have direction now. We know what's going on. You know, we now have a destination, which is the main plot. <laughs> yeah, we finally get the main the plot story. spelled out, which is there's going to be a the, the 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 term "a storm is coming" is mentioned in all three chapters, not just by Shadow, but even by. Uh, Salim, you know, even mentions it. You know, there's a storm coming. Uh, so everyone knows mm-hmm. about this storm that's supposedly coming uh, for for the gods. So I'm assuming there's going to be a big confrontation, and that's what they're they're kind of leaning towards. Right. That's what they're leaning towards or heading towards. Mm-hmm. But uh, and that's where it ends. And uh, I guess that's the end of what I didn't realize was part one of of the series of the book because. In my book, it says part two, my Ainsel. Ainsel? A I N S E. Ansel? Ansel. Uh, but yeah. Um, I don't know what that means. I didn't realize this was a part one. I, I, I didn't pay too so close attention that I knew this was part one of a, of a story. So we are, ba- we are, I guess, in a position where, mm-hmm. um, even though I read like the first sentence of chapter nine, which is we're back with. Shadow. I mean, we're we're in. It's not like we're with new characters. We're still following Shadow. So, uh, so far, so good. 
I, I mean, I, I really liked these last three chapters. I thought they were really good. I was, mm-hmm. I was hooked. Um, I love that we're getting into a little more decision. We're not, we're not moving as fast. You know, we have more time. Like there's a, there's a lot of detail of his life in that town for a little while, like for the days that he spent in that town, you know, like mm-hmm. they, they share, you know, they share a little bit of that. So I really, I really like where it's going. Yeah. I liked it. I liked, um, just their, all the different characters that were introduced, the different gods and, um, yeah, I just like how he's like getting along with everybody. Yeah, yeah. The uh there is there is this uh now established. Even though he's still like what did he say to the to, uh, when he said when he met Sam, he's like, "Are you a human being? Are you a real life human being?" Like he he's still doubting like his sanity at this point, even though he's um I'm not so much. I mean, yeah, besides that whole thing about are you a real life human being, it yeah. doesn't seem like there's any part where he, like, when he's on his lonesome, like, in the shower or something, he's, like, wondering, like, am I going crazy? You know, like... <laughs> but he's still doubt. I guess not his sanity, but he is doubting, like, who's who. You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it was pretty convenient that Sam finds him asleep in the back of his car when she did. You know, because he had already experienced so much with gods. He's like, well, wait a minute. Is this a god trying to follow me or is this a regular person? And to find out that she's a regular person was like a relief to him. And so right. uh, I, I like that there's those little bits. But uh, you're right. The introduction, of all the, the introduction of these gods is really cool. I really I'm, I think um, it's a lot of names to remember. <laughs> like, even though really Shadow and Wednesday are the two names you really need to remember. But. Um, mm-hmm. it's really cool to see that these characters, that these, these new gods have personalities really right off the bat. So I'm with you 100%. And I'm really curious. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, 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 it still has me hooked. I, I'm still ready to keep going. You know, I, I haven't lost interest, which is nice, you know, cause sometimes mm-hmm. it's, it, you can lose interest in a book if it gets too long winded. And so far it's not long winded. Right, even though this is supposedly like the extended version, I I really enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, I think for the fact, I think the fact that again, I felt like chapter the chapter seven and eight were a little slower. Again, we stayed in one. I mean, I think that's the longest we stayed in one place since the prison. You know, we we stayed in one place for like a good chapter and a half. We yeah, did, but I mean, it wasn't that long. It no, was no. literally like one night. It was a few nights. It was a few nights. Yeah, he he stayed there a couple, a few nights. I mean, it made, it made it sound like he's there for long enough to like have the cops know that he's a part of uh, Jackal and Ibis's, you know, uh, funeral home. Like, you know, he's established himself a little bit in this town. But you're right. They, he he made. Oh, and it's Christmas time too, which I thought was really funny. Like, it's 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 a Christmas. Because, yeah, I mean, they talk about, like, how everyone has lights up and how it's, you know, it's the holiday season. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really fun. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm I happy with it. So any other, any last thoughts before we kind of wrap this up? Any Anything uh, that, that really kind of stood out to you um, regarding any of the characters? Um, no, I think we kind of talked about it as we were going along, mm-hmm. which is better than... Last time. Well, last time. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I, I think. I mean, it's fine. Either way, it's fine. Like, that, that doesn't bother me either way. But or and, and hopefully it doesn't bother the listeners any other way. But I, I think we really, yeah, we're really moving at a good pace. Um, 
it hasn't it hasn't um gotten boring and again i really do love that everything seems to happen for a reason again uh in a way where like even the sex scenes as you know have some sort of meaning it's not just like um you know how like in movies like action movies where they just like <laughs> We're going to fight bad guys and now we're going to have sex <laughs> right. randomly. Um, uh, uh, kind of yeah. doesn't like move the story forward in any way or serve any other purpose other than just to have a sex scene. Yeah. And I think in action movies, they kind of do it to establish like, hey, you know, these two people have a, a very flimsy but existing relationship, whether it's physical only or not. Okay, you know? but it doesn't matter what kind of relationship you have. If you're going to, like, fight some bad guys, you're not going to, like, tire yourself out by, like, having sex right before. Oh, maybe, yeah. Well, or, just... like, as they're approaching, like, yeah, we're about to fight them. They could be here in any second. Let's have sex now. Yeah. When we're, like, completely vulnerable and naked and they could just come upon us and mark us. But, yeah. I mean, look. Makes I, sense, you know. I don't know. Look, I've never, I've never had to fight a bunch of people and and find some you know well like not a fear doesn't feel very sexy i don't know but uh, there has to be some level of like comfortableness well look uh, uh, we'll 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 save that for let's save that for our um action no i'm not like saying anything i'm just pointing something out yeah no, because I because I, I can actually like get into this a little bit, but I, I think I, I won't. I'm gonna I will save it then for our action hour, our action movie hour, <laughs> whenever we do that. Uh, but yeah, uh, in this case, you're right. Like everything, everything more or less has a purpose. Though this was, I would equate I would equate traveling from Wisconsin to Cairo as the um, the traveling from from the hobbit from hobbiton to like rohan in lord of the rings <laughs> like it's just kind of like oh they're driving they're driving they're walking they're walking uh it's a little bit like that it's but not much true cuz he he met someone right but i'm saying like it wasn't just like scenery no but i mean in the sense that that's this is their travel montage like if you were doing the travel montage this would be the travel montage for the for the book uh a lot less tedious than Tolkien, sorry, Tolkien. <laughs> a lot less tedious to read because stuff actually happens, and this conversation is interesting. It's not just walking; you're walking, you're walking. But uh, it is there. It is equivalent. I uh, to me, it's like when I was reading it, I was like, "Oh, this is the this is the travel portion of the story. Like this is the get to point A to point B part of the story where we can kind of." Draw it out a little longer, but anyway, uh, huge fan. I'm again really love it. I'm really looking forward to the next few chapters. Um, y'all might have to wait a while for these chapters to come out for for this next bit of the uh, podcast to come out. But we will have nine, ten, eleven uh, in the next podcast. So I'm very excited, and we should be almost halfway through the book by then. I would think by the time we hit chapter eleven. Mm-hmm. We'll be almost halfway through. It's only twenty some, twenty one chapters, like you said last week. So right. it's, it'll be exciting. If you're interested in more of what we're doing, maybe like what we did in this podcast, you're like man, if I could only have more EVP, I'm like, there is a place you can get more EVP. It's called the Introvert's Guide to the Universe. It's a podcast that she and I do, talking about our living our lives as. Um, INFJs. No, living our lives as introverted, uh, kind of um, uh, socially uh, so uh, socially anxious folk, um, trying to navigate uh, our lives. 
Mm-hmm. So go ahead and check that out at Sincere Sarcasm. You can find it also on iTunes. Uh, we're about like three or four, I think five, actually five episodes in. So go ahead and take a look at that. Again, sincerestarcasm.net is the website where you can find all all of the stuff that I do, as well as, again, the podcast that EVEP and I are in. So you can go ahead and take a look, aka the other guy for me on Twitter. Um, And I think that's it. I don't have anything else to say about the book and, and the series. I'm really excited to, after this, we need to watch the, the, the show and critique right. the show. So that'll be fun. <laughs> See if it matches up. Uh, yeah, we'll have to do it as a, as a, as a as a big episode. So um, we'll do that once we're done with the series. But um, I think I'm good. What do you What do you say? Time to get out of here. Yup. All right. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll talk to you all next time with three more chapters of Neil Gaiman's American Gods. We'll talk to you then. Bye everyone. Bye. <laughs>